live. All right. We are live. This is the 40 and Slip. This is the Dennis Coffee interview. I won't be playing the normal bullshit intro, ladies and gentlemen. Just uh, start talking uh, with my friend Dennis Coffee, who is here with me. Hi, Dennis. Hello, Chris. Good, Thank, to, good thanks, to have you. Thanks for letting me on the air again. <laughs> Not a problem. Um, I had uh, actually met Dennis by chance. It was like, what, two years ago yeah, now? Two years ago. Yeah, um, I had I had gone to see a friend on Thanksgiving, and it happened to be a mutual friend of ours, and uh, he wound up coming over later that evening, and we wound up talking for a good portion of the evening. I can't remember how late I it was that I left that night, um, but it was. I mean, we had a, we had a great talk that night, as as, as I remember, because recently um, when I saw that you were on jeopardy it reminded me that you and i had spent the night talking about dostoevsky which to most people is fucking boring um but <laughs> no. to but to dennis and i not so much if you read it uh, <laughs> boring that's so uh, what 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 got me was i had pulled out my copy of crime and punishment and the brothers Karamazov. As a matter of fact, I have it right fucking there, Dennis. Good. <laughs> um, I've never read the brothers Karamazov, but I had read Crime and Punishment. I wanted to reread it. Um, as you and I were discussing before we went live, uh, I can't really read books like I used to be able to. I switched to a Kindle, so now I have to buy the Kindle fucking version of Crime and Punishment so I can I can read it again. But I I, I from when I talked to you about that book. I had remembered how much I had loved reading that. Uh, and that's what I'd remembered about that conversation with you. About Raskolnikov. Yeah. The, yeah. You know, he wrote a lot of, a lot of, a lot of his novels were like in the form of a, tech, a detective novel. Yeah. Because he had to sell his novels, but they're so deep. They're so, you know, the message is so awesome. Yeah. And I was just actually last month, I bought a uh, copy of the brothers Karamazov for my, uh, for a coworker at Duffy's. And, yeah. uh, I couldn't resist reading uh, a section. I, I, it was a belated gift because my girlfriend, Karen, I was reading part portions that really I liked. Yeah. But uh, he's an awesome writer. It's a long book, but hey, if you. you know, oh, yeah. If, it, if I mean, if you're into if you're into literature, if you're into if you're into good, you know, good stories and, and great literature, I mean, that that's the stuff you want to read. Like, go back and and read that stuff. Like, I I forced myself to go back and read some older stuff. Because, I mean, you should. <laughs> oh, it is funny. Kurt Vonnegut says that everything you need to know about life is found in the Brothers Karamazov. <laughs> but he says, but that's not enough anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Yeah. He wrote, what was that? Slaughterhouse? Slaughterhouse 5. Yeah, that's Slaughterhouse cool. 5. Uh, yeah. I, I, I've actually wanted to read some Vonnegut. I never have. See, I get in these I get in these ruts. I, I And I'm a, I'm a huge fantasy science fiction guy. Uh -huh. um, and currently I'm reading Donaldson's uh, Thomas Covenant trilogy, the second one. I finished the first one. Uh, and it's such a great book. I remember when I, I mean, series, book series, it's a, a trilogy. Um, I remember when I read it in high school. My cousin Jay, he's like, yeah, you got to read this book series. about the leper messiah guy. You got to check this mm -hmm. book series out. I'm like, fuck you talking about? So I pick up Lord Fowles Bane, first book. In the, and I... I'm all of like 14, 15 at the time. I can't, I'm like, 
I, I, it, it, the way he wrote baffled me. Like I couldn't keep up with it in my head. Now, in my forties, rereading it after, ha and I had reread it back in my thirties. Um, it was a whole new thing to me. It was, it was, it was like, it, it was like reading like beautiful poetry for the first time, but all over again. Or watching a movie that you, you know. Yeah, and it, and it just, it flowed really well. And, um, you know, I, I, when you fall into a good book, it's, it, it's, it's amazing. And, and that's one of the things that I'd liked about talking with you is that we had, we fell down one of those rabbit holes about, you know, good, you know, novels um and just other bullshit and i can't remember everything that we had talked about that night but uh that was the thing that stuck out in my brain so then i uh flash forward to god it was how many weeks ago was it that that aired dennis uh the, the well the show was taped november 12th and 13th it was aired uh you do five shows in one day yeah and so I did the Friday show on one day, the 12th. And then I did the three shows that I appeared in the next day on the 13th. Right. And they appeared, I think it was the 17th, the 21st, the 20, 21st, 22nd. Okay. So this is just a couple of weeks ago. Very, yeah, very recent. Um, And I see in my Facebook feed, Old Orchard Beach Man to appear on Jeopardy. Okay. So I look, you know, I see the picture. I'm like, oh, that guy kind of looks familiar. <laughs> And then I, I I passed it off. You know I don't right, watch right, I don't right. watch uh, broadcast TV anymore. I gave it up years ago. Yes, did I? Um, I I started streaming stuff on Netflix and just you know if I wanted to watch something, I could either find a way to pay for it to watch it or find a streaming service that it was on. I didn't need to sit through the scheduled bullshit that's on tv anymore amen um and so i was just like yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna watch jeopardy i don't watch jeopardy like i love jeopardy i used to watch jeopardy all the time but i'm not gonna fucking now, watch now here's jeopardy. a key point chris you're in your 40s and i'm 54 and uh, everyone i talk to says yeah i watch it with my grandmother you know it seems like everybody who watches jeopardy is older than me but all the contestants were younger than <laughs> yeah and they were very quick on the buzzer as a result yeah and and i mean i've been watching jeopardy my whole life as mm -hmm. far long as i can remember i mean it's as long as i can remember it's been wheel of fortune and jeopardy oh yeah you know those are the the staples you know uh i, I mean the price is right during the day but that's a, a totally different story um but uh yeah so i i see this and I'm like, oh, yeah, whatever. You know, it's uh, some guy. Like, he looks familiar to me, but uh, ah. And uh, so then, um, you know, uh, our mutual friend I run into says, uh, yeah, my friend is going to be on Jeopardy. Or was on Jeopardy. Uh, he won his first night. He's going to be back on. Mm -hmm. Over the weekend. And, uh, and I had said, yeah, I'll, uh, I don't know if I'll see it. Um and she was like, yeah, sometimes it gets posted to YouTube. You can check it out. And I actually did wind up watching one of your appearances on YouTube. Oh, really? Which yeah. one was it? Was it, uh, it was the second night you were on. Uh, against Tracy Mack, and I think it was uh, Matt, Matt Neff. Yes, I yeah. believe so. Um, so I, I was like, yeah, I, I don't have, I don't watch TV. So I probably, you know, I probably won't see it. Um and uh it didn't it still didn't dawn on me dennis still didn't dawn on me. and then i'm scrolling down through facebook and i see the exact same post 
that I saw before, the exact same picture of you. And for some reason, my brain went, click. I, I, my jaw dropped for a second. My eye, I, It's fucking Dennis. And then I'm like, of course it's fucking Dennis. It says it's Dennis <laughs> on the post, you know, like. So the whole time I'm just like, oh my fucking God, I know this well, guy. So in that moment, I was like, I, I, you know, I'd said something to our, you know, our mutual friend about, um, I'm like, dear God, like you, she, and she had forgotten that I knew you. So I was just like, oh, I'm like, if you, you know, if you talk to him, tell him, you know, Hey, congratulations, you know, whatever. So I, I had wound up reaching out to you, um, through Facebook. And the reason that I did um wasn't so much for the the jeopardy stuff it was because i read the article i think it was posted by channel 13 around here um about how you had brought up uh, s- uh, stories about the opiate crisis after your appearance because what do they call you back afterwards well we did uh, the monday tuesday and wednesday shows were filmed all on the same day yeah and so yes they uh I spent the night at the hotel and then came back and then uh, we discussed that you're a lot. You, you write down five topics mm-hmm. uh, you want to discuss. And I listed this as number five. I brought up some other stuff. How I stumped Ken Jennings was one. I, you know, my choice of major. And, you know, I brought up the fun stuff. And, mm-hmm. But I, when I first applied for the show, it's when I was in 2015, I was working as a convenience store clerk in Old Orchard at the 7-Eleven. And, uh, I, at the end, towards the end of the tenure, in one month, we lost uh, Molly Parks and Sarah Berlin. And they were two of my regulars, and they were uh, just wonderful, wonderful girls, as I said on the TV show. And I just said at the time, I said, this is really something I'd like to talk about if I ever get on the show. Yeah, and it, it, just hit, it, hit, it hit the whole community. Well, it, and when you when you see it like that, it it really hits home. And I know a lot of people in my life who have experienced that where they were over and over going to uh going to funerals from people who had overdosed on heroin and i mean i went through my own personal hell with it but it was with uh prescription drugs i never went as far as heroin i never fell down that hole and i don't i i mean i'm not saying that one is any better than the other um I heroin's cheaper and more convenient, more uh, right. And I've seen it destroy a great many more people. I just don't know that by me saying I never went to heroin, that that's any better. Oh, I just you know, you know what I mean? Um, I I mean, I was a, a horrid piece of shit. I don't know how many times I fell asleep behind the wheel in my car. I don't know how many I, I woke up one time completely facing the other direction with a tree next to my driver's side door. Well, so you're, you're extremely lucky. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I should. I mean, I've told many people many times over. I should have been dead. Mm-hmm. I should have been dead about 100 different times that I should have been dead. I remember one time I was sitting up in bed and my entire body went. I, I lost everything. I was paralyzed. I had one of those things where I just could not. I went to go move a portion of my body. Nothing. I was just sitting there. I was just like this. And all I could think of was, you puke, you're screwed. Loss of motor control. That's pretty scary. Yeah. Um, 
a lot of people I talk to, I talk to people at the store. This is just not simply uh, Molly and Sarah, but I talk to people who are in, in re, trying to recover. And they said, uh, one friend, uh, I'll call him Andrew, uh, he was saying at the end, uh, he was in a suboxone problem. But he goes, at the end, I wasn't even tr- shooting up to feel good. I was just shooting up to not feel sick. Yeah. And, that, and that's the problem. You get to a point where you're not getting high anymore. You're maintaining. Billy Idol talked about it once on, uh, I was listening to him on Opie and Anthony back when they were still together and on the air. And he, he was like, I wasn't, you know, at that point in my career, I can't remember what time he was talking about. He was like, I wasn't getting high anymore. I was literally just keeping myself in enough heroin so that I could maintain and do interviews. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's it. Mm-hmm. What's a tolerance? It's like most drugs, you know, you develop a tolerance. Yeah. And I would, and after a time, I, you know, it, it, it got to a point where the the little drugs that I used to do didn't do it anymore. Well, how I had did to you go start? You I started, I, I, I see, I always say that it started with when I fractured my elbow. I, I got a hairline fucking fracture in my elbow. And I mean, it was probably more of a bruise than it was a fracture, uh, a bruise of the bone. Uh, I went to the doctor that night. I was at work, so it had to be paid for by my employer. Um, I, I tripped and fell at work while I was pumping gas. And I went to the hospital and they prescribed me with Tylox. And I was with two friends, cousins. Mm-hmm. I won't name who they were. And we're on our way home because they took me to the hospital. So we're on our way home. And one of them says to me, he says, hey, what are you doing tonight? I said, I'm probably going to go home, take one of these pain pills and go to bed. And he's like, uh, I got some weed. How about you come over to my place? We'll break one of them tie locks open and we'll have some fun. Oh, boy. So, yeah. Um, so that night I went over to his house and we, cause Tylox comes in capsules. You can break them with this powder inside. And he broke it open and we snorted it like friggin' lines. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's how I started. Well, Steven Tyler was doing that. I think that, uh, from Aerosmith, that was his, that was, Xanax, yeah, there's a, and people have been snorting pills for a long time. I've known many people that do it. I've known people that did it for years. Um, I did it for years. Um, and you know, it just, it did me no favors whatsoever. It was, it was horrible. Like, uh, you know, I was talking to you before the show. I, I got to a point where I was so sickened by myself that it just, it, it, it literally, that's what probably, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Was you looked at, you looked in the mirror, I take it. You know? Yeah. It, I, and you, when you see what's staring back at you finally, because for the longest time, your ego gets in the way, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know what you saw with these people and what, uh, and what they went through and, you know, what they were at one point. I know for a fact, that I'm smarter than that. Mm-hmm. I always have been. Like I never. I'm the type of guy that never should have gotten addicted to pills, but I did, and that should tell people something. Like it's not. It's it's a pretty powerful thing, and it just you know I did I did I search it out? 
Absolutely. Were there doctors that made it easier for me to do it? Absolutely. And those doctors don't work anymore. Good. Um, but you know, you're starting to see changes with it. You're starting to see some of the people that were responsible taking the fall and actually doing jail time. There's one CEO that they just um, they just charged him with I don't know how many years of prison time for his uh, role in the opiate crisis. Well, it, Chris, it was a difficult bringing up the subject was very difficult, and I thank the Jeopardy team, Alex and Lori Janover in particular, who. Uh, I think uh, I think they struggled as much as I did. And I think, you know, when I brought it up, I thought it was, believe it or not, I thought it was a relatively safe topic because it's it transcends politics. It's not, uh, you know, most of us want to solve the problem, opiate problem. Mm -hmm. But I was really naive because politics is in everything. We're a political oh, yeah. animal, as Aristotle said. Mm. But uh, so the uh, I didn't realize, you know, it's, it's a lot more complicated an issue and there's a lot of. Uh, I've gotten a lot of different reactions, some positive and some negative, but negative has been, uh, uh, it's, it's difficult because it's ironic and uh, paradoxical because the positive reactions have been like, you know, stories about yourself, people with, and uh, particularly uh, grieving parents. Yeah. And uh, the negative reactions have been really constructive criticism. So it's, it was a, it was a wake up call for me. I, well, know, and like, I, like I had talked to you, you know, before we had started, I said, you know, even to this day, I'll still look at somebody who's in the depths of it and say, oh, he's a piece of shit. Now, I don't mean the person's a piece of shit. I mean, they're at a place where they're just, they're not ready. They're not near the top of the hole trying to claw their way out. You know, they're still at the bottom digging down. <laughs> right. That was, you know, that was another aspect too, because uh, you, you talk a lot about victims and Molly and Sarah, they were wonderful. They were attractive. They were intelligent. Uh, good people, but there are also a lot of users out there who aren't. There are some bad people doing that. I oh yeah, this yeah. You you were saying something about a, a gentleman called me up named Tom uh, Demolucas. He warned me about his name. Uh, <laughs> Mass and his uh, fiance in 1989 was uh, brutally assaulted, left uh, left for dead, and uh, she's now brain damaged, blind, and in a wheelchair, and uh, over ten dollars. Yeah, they never caught the guys, and uh, Tom was very, uh, uh, you know, he was not pointing fingers. He was saying they, they go out now. They have a prison. Uh, they uh, do motivational talks at prisons. Yeah, and his point that he wanted to make is how uh, it uh, this it, there's a ripple effect. A lot of these people they don't know they're screwing up. Yeah, and, you know they they think this is you know they don't understand. Yeah, and it's it, you know I I I hate to 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 harken back to uh, it's a wonderful life, but. Uh, it's that thing, that whole point of one person's fuck ups, they don't just affect the person. Mm -hmm. They affect all the people that are around them. And, and, it, and it go it, it causes this, 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 uh, I don't know if you could call it tsunami at some point, but with some people, like it, it gets to a point where it becomes overwhelming. Oh, sure. And there's people like, they turn to horrendous crimes. Uh, you know, I luckily didn't go so far as to, you know, do anything horrible to that extent. You know, did I, you know, fuck people over or do stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. Did you, did you, not to pry, but uh, since you brought, did you steal? Ah, uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Oh my goodness. Well, yeah. 
that's it's like you said it's the control like yeah they have a control over you um and it you know and when you realize what you're doing when it when it finally all comes down like i said you're in that place you you're exposed um and people don't like that they did being exposed is anybody who's had like a nerve pain in their fucking tooth having a fucking nerve exposed that's like kind of what being laid bare emotionally or you know your inside no one wants their deepest darkest desires or any of their bullshit laid out i've made a fucking life out of it doing it on here i, I say my bullshit on here yeah, the, yeah. The, there's stuff i keep to myself that i don't i don't let everything out um I used to let a lot more out than what I do now. Um, but it's kind of a therapy for me, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to talk about it and say, hey, this shit happened. You know, I I, I regret it. Um, but then there's a part of me that sits there and says, would you be the guy you are today? Would you have the understanding you have today if you hadn't been through that? You know, uh, have you ever seen the movie Wild? Uh, no. I recommend it. Um, uh, it's with Reese Witherspoon, I believe. Is it Reese Witherspoon or is it another one? I can't fucking remember. Yeah. Uh, but she 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 uh, she takes the the walk there, not the uh, not the Appalachian Trail, the one on the fucking western oh, side. Pacific of the Coast. Yes, the I heard. Yes, uh, I heard about it. Yes, and it. you know, and I recommend you watch that movie. Mm-hmm. It. it, it it, especially because you have this passion for the the plight of these people, uh, her story is a beautiful one. Right, she was like a, a greedy mother, I think. Was it? She lost it. What was her story? Her um, she was a mess. Oh, okay, I don't. I, it's one of those things. I don't want to ruin it for you. Okay, uh, uh, I'd no rather you, I'd rather you watch it. Um, but it's it's a great story, and and like that's kind of where I get that from. That whole idea of when she's at the end, she's like. If I hadn't been that person, would I be standing here today? You know, a mom. You know, would I would I've made it through that? That's the thing. And I I question that type of stuff now because it's like I, I regret it. Like if I could go back and take it all away. Fuck, yeah. Like, if I could go back and take away all that puking in the fucking toilet at fucking mm-hmm. 5 a.m. in the morning and trying to push myself to go to work every day. Yeah, no. No, I, I, I wiped it away years ago. You know, back when it, it was, God, it was in the, that first time was in the 90s. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking over 20 years ago. That's like, that's a hell of a paper trail you got. Yeah, and, uh, well... It was, and it was a long time. It wasn't, I, you know, I got sober in 2011. Um, it wasn't until late in 2011 that I was truly quote unquote sober. Yeah. It takes uh, time. Um, you know, I had many relapses over the course of the year and, you know, you find, um, I think you find peace with it. Now I'm an odd case. I didn't have any therapy. I didn't go to rehab. I actually had a guy once come to me. I was working. Uh, I was working property maintenance, and we were going around changing all these different things in these apartments. And this guy got talking to me, and I, I'm very open about who I am and what's mm-hmm. happened to me in my life. And we got talking about my my addiction. And he's like, "And you didn't, you didn't 
talk to anybody? My, you know, my friends and people I knew. and Well, some people don't. Some people and, don't and, but... and he's like, you didn't have any treatment? No, I just, you know, I, I worked through it on my own. And I, he, and then he kept pushing me the entire time. You should get into a program. You should get, and I'm like, yeah, no, no, I, um, I'm good. I'm, I'm happy. I'm fine. I'm, everything's okay. Okay. And he's just kept hammering it. It was, and all size doesn't fit all. Right. And, 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 you know, the, the people who think that, um, you know, they need to have a higher power. If that a higher power works for you in that regard, then go that route. If you don't go that route. Mm-hmm. I, I for me I woke up one morning and just couldn't I couldn't deal with myself anymore. I just couldn't I couldn't handle what I'd become and I needed to make that change and eventually it did. And that was good. But again, I go back to that question. Would you have the understanding you have today? If you hadn't walked that path for all those years, would you be the guy that you are? Would you, you know, would you be able to look at people with softer eyes without having had that experience? Because even though I'll look at a guy who's in a, in the throes of addiction, you know, and can't fucking pull himself out and I'll say, that guy's a piece of shit. I'll still go. But, well, you're, it seems it's very ambivalent. You know, it's a lot of ambivalence there. Well, but you understand the creature. Mm-hmm. You understand mm-hmm. the animal. Right. Not a strange You know, when you've, when you've experienced addiction, and I don't know how much you saw of what these people went through, but when you experience it, it's a, oh, it's a fucking animal. It's a wild animal. It'll bite you for no fucking reason whatsoever. <laughs> Well, I think your did your whole world revolve around it. I read someone who was addicted to pills, and he's like, "That was yeah." Know, when he got up in the morning, it's just yeah. Until yeah. until um until I came to the realization that it couldn't be that way anymore. Um, I would get up in the morning, and I wouldn't feel normal until I knew where I was getting it from. Until I knew I was gonna catch the guy. And uh, yeah, well, who I was gonna say, who did you uh? Who we uh who did you go to? I, you know, I, you know who again, did I'm a little I, bit naive about who this, did I go to? I, I I've seen it, but I've never really um, been so, so, we'll so, just so, say so. You there, don't have to name names, there were but... a great many people. Oh, I see you um, I yeah. What happens is and I, I'm not giving anything away to anybody who's an addict. Um you wind up running in circles with other people who do them, but you never want to be around them because you're an addict, you tend to seclude yourself well drunk yeah it's like as a bartender i know drunks hate being around other drunks they don't you know there's this myth that they love yeah they like each other most drunks don't like other drunks right and it's not a friendship is it's so it becomes this parasitic type of lifestyle where you know that person like some people get a prescription so you know that person gets a prescription so you latch on to that person and that person knows that you get a prescription and your prescriptions don't line up at the same time in the month. So you wind up piggybacking off each other to get to the next month. But it becomes this backstabbing game of bullshit. You know, 
I, I'll never forget one time somebody had said that I was a motherfucker because I came in and cleaned out all the pills. Because I came in and bought up somebody, all somebody's pills one night. And it was like, but you've never done that? Yeah. <laughs> like, survival uh, of the fittest, you know? Hey. But it's a horrible, it's a horrible lifestyle. You know, and that's why I said, like, when I when I had heard you talk about it and that you'd wanted to bring light to it, it's it's an important subject to talk about. Mm-hmm. I mean, these things that are happening, these companies that push this shit. Like, I remember, and this is no shit. My very first wife caught me. And she called my doctor. And and rightly so, as she should have. I don't blame her for it. I'm not sitting back here and cursing her to the ends of the earth for for doing that. Mm -hmm. Called my doctor, told him what was going on. He wanted to see me. So I went in to see him. When I left there, the only thing that changed was that he stopped prescribing me one pill and prescribed me another one. That's it. That was the only change he made. Yeah, this is, uh, like I said, when I, again, when I brought this up, I didn't realize, again, a little bit of naivete. It's a big, big problem, and it's multifaceted. And, uh, you know, I brought it up. I didn't know if it was appropriate to bring it up. But, again, I'm glad I did. I No, you should have. And that's one of the things I was very glad that you did, to be honest. Like, when I heard that that you'd done it, I was, you know, for one, I had no idea that you had any experience with it. Well, I haven't had much, though, Chris. That's the thing, too. I've never been in the past a crusader. I've had personal experience, but I'm not. Well, you not really you a, do have you do have uh, you do have firsthand in addiction, though. But it's not, uh, you you you, know. s- you sling one of the only legal drugs. <laughs> That's well, it's very true. Fa- uh, fast becoming the second one. A lot fast uh, becoming no, second. Now, come on, let's not point fingers because I know a lot of bartenders uh, are very very. Uh, temperance oriented no 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 i i no i listen i think uh alcohol i don't have any problem with people drinking Mm -hmm. no problem at whatsoever my problem is i've always been a a pothead Mm -hmm. um and alcohol was never my drug of choice Mm -hmm. um you know pills wound up becoming a problem for a while not my drug of choice i mean that's my poison for fuck's sake that's the stuff that's gonna was the stuff that was gonna kill me um, but I'm not against drugs. Uh, drinking. Yeah, I'm not yeah, against yeah. drinking. I'm not even against drugs, to be honest with you. I think personally that all drugs should be legal. I think let the chips fall where they may, teach people, educate people. You're going to have shitheads everywhere. And you're going to have shitheads doing... I mean, the thing with the heroin crisis right now with people dying, a lot of that is because they can't get clean shit. Mm-hmm. If, if it was regulated, if people were getting cleaner stuff, people wouldn't be dying. Now, does that solve the problem? No. That's where the education comes in. Mm-hmm. People should be educated. But these these drug programs or campaigns that we've had in the past just don't work. You and I both know, when we just talked about this on my show recently, that the Say No to Drugs campaign was just the biggest fucking blunder in the history of 
Well, like trying I, to keep kids off drugs. I talked to someone from uh, recently from South Carolina and said, you know, well, your points are well taken, but it, you know, does it, when it hits home is the only time you bring it up. And I, I remember, you know, I think he was pointing to the pro, the pro, uh, the the, the uh, war on drugs. It's uh, again how it affected the urban community. How yeah. it, uh, you know, it filled the jails and it stigmatized people. It really didn't do much to solve. The oh, problem. the 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 way that crack destroyed inner cities. I, it was it's atrocious. Well, yeah, yeah. And it was and and that I mean let's 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 face facts. That was done by the American government. It was done by the CIA. Okay, well that's uh, you know, again. That's, this, I mean uh, allegedly, allegedly, you know. I'm like, relatively new to this. <laughs> again, it's a lot more complicated than I expected. Well, I, I there's there's it. a lot of um there's a lot of uh, great movies and great uh, information out there. Um, especially about that, the, what happened with crack in the inner cities, it, it's a horrible, horrible story, Dennis. It's a story that should be told to everyone. You know, I mean, there's a, um, uh, there's a documentary. Oh God. Uh, dear Zachary, dear Zachary, mm -hmm. horrible documentary. And when I say horrible, I don't mean that the documentary itself is horrible. I mean, what it's about is horrible. Everyone should know that this happened. What's what's the documentary about, though? Is, is it um, this guy gets murdered, mm -hmm. um, and um, come to find out, the woman that he was with is pregnant, and she's going to have a baby, and so this friend of his who's a filmmaker decides that he's going to go catch up with all their friends and make this trek across the country to make this documentary about his friend who has now died for his unborn son so that he can know his father. And then they find out that the mother was the one that killed him. And I won't tell you anymore. Okay. <laughs> it's a horrible horrible story that everyone should know happened everyone should know that the legal system in canada allowed it to happen everyone should know that the legal system in america allowed it to happen it it was a horrible miscarriage of justice mm -hmm. i was talking to a lady from new jersey and she's having trouble right now navigating the just judicial system uh, she lost her uh her son and uh, they're trying to per, uh, prosecute the uh, dealers who killed her son. Yeah, uh, and it's been uh, she's very troubled by it, and I don't blame her. Yeah, it's but it, it, and it hits home for people in so many different ways. No, but getting back to legalization, I'm very libertarian, and okay. I think you know uh, on my outlook. But would you would you legalize crack? You'd go ahead and do that. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, because okay. I'm a firm believer in your body's yours. Do with as you wish. Uh, as long as you're not hurting other people. Ah. The, therein li so therein lies the problem with a lot of that stuff. Right. But there are people, Dennis, who do drugs on a regular basis and don't harm anyone. They're functional. Keith yeah. Richards. Oh, God, yeah. How is he still alive? <laughs> I mean, yeah. 
I mean, that's my case in point. Is Keith, Keith, Keith Richards. Who the fuck is Keith Richards hurting? He's making music. He's touring. Well, he can afford to, too. You I know? Mean, he can afford the so, so the question becomes is what is the bigger problem? Well, it's you know, you're right about that. And here's here's a point, too, about they, they want to, like, uh, in I know in uh, Europe they have safe houses where you can inject. Yep. And uh, someone said, well, that encourages drug use. But I, you know, I... No, I'll, t- I'll tell you right now. Are you going to go out and, well, this, I want to go to the safe house so I can shoot up. I don't think it's going to, you know, I don't think you're forcing anybody to use drugs. No, and and it's not, I don't see it as shoving it in people's faces. What I see needs, I mean, we're all adults. You know, that's mm-hmm. the thing that I see. We don't have anybody, we don't have any problem with anyone going to the bar and getting hammered. Well, you know, and and well, we they, and they've been doing it for ages. Mm-hmm. And you know, I know there's a lot of responsible bartenders like yourself who well, are yes, not we discuss it who, all the time. right, who are not letting people leave their bars. But we also know that there are tons of places where it happens. Oh, and you can do it at home too, and that's one thing. Right. But a good point though about that. When I was involved with the Libertarian Party years ago, people thought. Time magazine, I think 20 years ago, said the idea of legalizing even marijuana is just ludicrous. They even said right on the front cover, they said these people are wrong. <laughs> but I get in touch with the Libertarian Party, and they made kind of a good a point that you have 100 substance abuse deaths. Uh, 66 will be tobacco-related. Yep. 33% will be alcohol. And 1%, all of the drugs combined. Uh, heroin, cocaine, uh, pills, so forth, LSC, marijuana. Yeah. 1%. So, but we, we subsidize the legal industries. We even encourage it. But yep. We, do, we fight, you know, tooth, tooth and nail. And nail. Oh, come on. It's crazy. But it's just an observation. And, yeah. and what's funny to me now is like with the legalization of marijuana, like we live here in Maine, we live in a, a legal state now. Mm-hmm. We're, a, we're a completely legal state. The thing that gets me is and I don't know how you felt about uh, our ex governor Roly Poly, um, <laughs> but I fucking hated him. And okay. the reason why I have I loathe him so much is because of what he did after we voted to legalize marijuana here in the right. state. Yeah, he right. put that fucking moratorium on selling it. So now, and I guess this year it's supposed to go legal. Their retail shops are supposed to open um, in March. But it's like we voted to legalize weed in the state of Maine. One of the reasons why people voted to legalize it was because of the tax revenue that would come from it. Right, right. And then he fucking quashed that the minute it happened. For years to come. It's it's he has he's been out of office for how long now? Oh, it's been well, a couple of years, right? Yeah, it's been well, it's, it's been a year. It's, but, it's, a, it's a complicated subject and you don't want to generalize. I think a lot of people really uh, you know, are not, uh, it's, it's a social issue that a lot of people have. Well, I, I'll give an example. Someone came into the bar at Duffy's and uh, one of our servers was uh, mentioned marijuana. And uh, when the customer said his 10 year old was present, he said, you know, please don't discuss that at the bar. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the server said, well, it is, you know, he said to me, well, it's legal. I said, yeah, I know. But I mean, a lot of the perception is just not, hasn't changed yet. Mm-hmm. There's still stigma. Um, I have nothing against marijuana myself. Uh, uh, I do, I, I think, uh, vis-a-vis, you know, again, like I said, the, the, the numbers are not as 
damaging as compared to say alcohol and tobacco but it's not i don't think it's as harmless as people make it out to be too i've oh, okay. had friends who there, had, uh, there's okay this here's here's what you know there there are many concessions i'll make with you one of the things that i will say is that to people who say that marijuana is not addictive you're an ass um it it, it very much is mm-hmm. um as a matter of fact i'm uh after Super Bowl on Sunday, I'm going on a marijuana break for a while. I'm actually <laughs> taking a break. And here's the reason. My reason is, is very simple, Dennis. I I ran out recently uh, through no fault of my own. We all know how that happens. And you were jonesing. Uh, I was jonesing. <laughs> and I went a couple of days. Okay. And when I finally got some and I smoked, I fuck, I'd sit back in my fucking chair. I was, I was just like, Wow. Mm-hmm. I hadn't felt like that in forever. Well, you're, t- that's you're, you're the, talking about tolerance. Right. And, and, so and, and that's the type of thing that I missed. I, I miss being able to smoke, sit back, mm-hmm. relax, watch a good film, read a good book, you know, really immerse myself in something or an activity, whatever the case may be. But I wasn't able to do that. I was, I, I because I had fallen into this routine of smoking mm-hmm. weed, mm-hmm. not enjoying weed. Mm-hmm. And so I decided recently, I said, you know, um, you know, I'm going up to see my cousins and my aunt and my uncle, and we usually have a really good time on Super Bowl. So I, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to not smoke up there. I mean, so I said after this weekend, you know, I'm taking a I'm taking a a, a well-deserved break for a while. Well, a lot of people do it with uh, alcohol. They don't want it, you know, controlling them, you know. I've yeah. regular say, so I'm staying away I, for a while. Like, oh, my, I, I have an uncle. <laughs> God love him. Yeah, they're sometimes uh, alcohol. I've I've seen uh, the problem that I have with alcohol is that it's it's always been like okay, you know. And the first time I bought legal weed, I was on my second honeymoon. Done it twice, Dennis. I don't recommend uh, going for the trifecta. Um, I'm not going for that path myself. Um, but uh, my second honeymoon, I was out in Washington State. And they had just legalized. Mm-hmm. And the I actually still have somewhere, I think it's on my wallet, uh, my receipt from the very first purchase that I made of legal marijuana. And it's because I had spent my entire life, my drug of choice, I had to go meet some guy in a back alley or, or you know, in some shady-ass fucking house on the other side of town. And all my friends who drank could just go to the fucking store right 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 well, like, like and I it said, was it's, liberating it's perception like i said you know uh, 20 years ago time magazine i mean it, they're reporting the news in but at the, at the same point they're making an editorial comment mm-hmm. you know they're wrong and, and, and see and you know i i, I hate to be i hate to be harsh too dennis mm-hmm. but to that guy at the bar with his kid mm-hmm. fuck off that's my my opinion and here's why okay you're going to sit there with your kid while a legal drug is slung and bitch about somebody talking about a legal drug. <laughs> Shut your mouth. I see your point, but no. We, well, you know what I do when I'm bartending and uncomfortable subjects come well, up? You, you change the subject. You know, yeah. Well, <laughs> not, you and know, you, you also deal in customer in service. Yes, it's very true. You know, I know those worlds. Um, I, I used to work in retail for years. Uh, and I, I worked with uh, in sales. And customer service is a bitch 
mm-hmm. it's a bitch. I don't, I don't envy you one bit for the job you do. Well, I, I'm, I'm, in but that his, aspect, I'm pretty good. But here's a question. I mean, get back, kind of uh, before we kind of uh, wrap this up. What was it that got you? to go on Jeopardy or like, what was the whole thing that got the ball rolling? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, I'll have, we're li- we're live, but I mean, I'll yeah, be right there. yeah, actually. Yeah. Have that. But uh, yeah, when he gets back, we'll talk about that. And uh, if anybody has any questions for Dennis, we'll be wrapping this up shortly. Uh, so please uh, make those questions readily available in the chat. Uh, I know, Katie, you said you were going to be listening. But uh, until then, we will be doing the 40 and Slip live Saturday night this week instead of Sunday due to the Super Bowl. So any of you guys that are listening to this broadcast... Um, I can't at the, at the time that we're making this live broadcast, I can't post anything on the like page. So, uh, if anybody wants to catch the live show tomorrow night, uh, I don't know what time we will be going live. Uh, I will be posting it as soon as Facebook unbans me from being able to post uh, because I called somebody a cunt on my own like page. <clears throat> um, so apparently you're not allowed to do that anymore because that is considered bullying. Um, even though I didn't see it as a bullying tactic or move, um, that Facebook seemed to think so. And when I tried to have them review it, they did not agree with me in any way, shape or form. So I was banned for 24 hours. Uh, My ban lifts at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time tonight. So, um, you know, until then, the like page has been silent. However, it's been growing like a motherfucker. I mean, just likes upon likes upon likes. I'm fucking loving it, people. Keep it going. Keep that train a rolling. You know, and I will try to refrain from calling people cunts on my own page. But, uh, yeah, so. uh, You're not making an apology, are you? No, no, no. I don't don't make apologies. I'm not apologizing for it. I'm just saying that it happened. You know, you, know what, you know where the origin of the term apology comes from? It's it's a Greek word. Sticking your head up your own ass? No. No, it's, 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 no, it's from, you know, Plato, Plato, of course, wrote that one of his dialogues was the apology of Socrates. It means a defense. It's defending yourself. Yeah. So I think it's a good term we'll put in. Yeah. So you're not, you're not sticking your head up your ass at all. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I, I was just curious how you um, how you initially got the whole – I at one point in time I tried to get on a show um the uh I don't know how many million dollar Bigfoot bounty fucking TV show uh-huh. Dean Kane was the host of it um like I said I had a couple of friends that wound up getting on it um and 
I know what that process was like for me. I had people that were already in the works who were like, you should apply. Oh, a lot of people have told me that. And I think over the years I had thought and I was, I used to watch the show with my mom and dad and they unfortunately since passed away. I watch it with my uncle Anthony and Aunt Maureen. And over the years I talked about it and I said, around, like I said, around 2015, I say, I ain't getting any younger. And they do it online now. So I did it three times. Uh, they let you know if you passed. Yeah. The third time they let me know. My friend Jen Dow told me, check your email. <laughs> so I went home and checked it. And there I was that you'd come go and audition. Um, I think the online test has made it a lot more uh, a lot more parody. It used to be, you know, you'd apply and you're getting a lot more parody of players. They, I ran into some really tough players, but that, that's. Uh, well, uh, I, I, and it makes sense that they would do it that way. It's it's easier. Yeah, it's a lot easier, and I'm sure they can choose a, the people easier. Well, you go in for the uh, that's the key. You go for the, you then you go down for the audition, and uh, you 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 take the test again, written to make sure you're not sending a someone else. Like say Chris. Uh, yeah, Dennis, you're better at trivia than me. How about <laughs> let me go on? They make sure it's you. Right. And, uh, a lot of you know, there's a lot of a, there's a procedure, and then they take you through like you pretend. Uh, uh, Glenn Kagan was my contestant coordinator, great guy. He uh, he pretends he's Alex Trebek. You go up and you play, you play the, the game, the game, and then they interview you. And I told you know I gave my spiel about you know stumping Ken, wise guy that I am, and yeah. uh, something they liked. They uh, I was nervous. I, was, I think I was more nervous during the audition. I thought I was going to pass out. I had to hold after I gave my spiel. I'm like, I need oxygen. Yeah, but uh, you're on the uh, you're on the list for 18 months, and then. Uh, Towards the end of that, I was all set to take it again. Um, Lori Genova rang me up in October and said, we want you out in uh, wow. November 12th. So I studied, uh, you know, I, I had planned a huge elaborate study program. <laughs> I, uh, my my short-term memory has gone. I had about 20,000 Wikipedia articles. I'd read one and forget. Yeah. So my advice to anybody and anybody, any, all the millennials, we give all the advice to millennials, hey, enjoy all you can. Get yeah, oh, yeah. Because you know, I, it's not going to forever. That's that's one of the things that I realized about with reading uh, now. If I don't have the capacity to really get into it, I don't retain like I used to. Oh, God, no. Yeah. And when I was uncomfortable reading, before I got my Kindle, I would just, I, I my retention was shit. I would just, like, come away from a book and be like, because I couldn't get comfortable reading it. But now that I can get comfortable, my retention I found it it it's right there all the time. So um, uh, my uh, the producer from my other show, Dennis, is asking, how would you even study for that? Well, what you know, James Holzhauer made. You know, I have a liberal education. Uh, I you know, my friend Joe Simpson. You you always, studied fucking Sanskrit. Right? I did. Well, I, I, <laughs> I didn't like the classics department at Penn. They didn't like me, so I switched into. And I thought I was going to be an Indo-Europeanist. My roommate Michael became one. Right. But I that was that was a challenge in itself. But I got went back at a second to, uh, undergrad degree at the USM, and I studied all the intro courses because Penn was really pre-professional. It was the you go there to go to med school, law school, or business school. It wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, you know, I paid attention to my classes. My friend Joe Simpson from the store uh, and I were joking about because he said he didn't. <laughs> I said, Joe, that's my secret. But uh, um, you, you try to cover, Holtzauer had a good point. You try to cover as much ground as you can. I, I don't have kids, so I studied children's literature. And you're really aiming for, uh, I studied a lot of movies, TV, and uh, music of this century. Mm -hmm. I got one question out of it, get out in the yeah. last game. 
with uh, <laughs> but you're, you're really trying to get in, in case you don't get a total stumper in final jeopardy you want to right. make sure they'll ask something obvious you don't want to be you know i have nothing against you know i know a little bit of children's literature now that i didn't before but again i've lost it i did you know for a so month I would, I would, i'd have no idea how to even fucking prepare for that shit i did watch like i said i did watch one of the episodes i think i did better than you I, I scored myself as we went along. Mm -hmm. I think I did a little better than you. <laughs> they call that a score. What are they, it's uh, basically your score that's not including the daily I, I actually, it, it happened to be that there were a couple of uh, categories that night that I knew a lot about, mm -hmm. and I was nailing them. And I, I mean, I was, I was surprised. Because I haven't watched well, Jeopardy in a long time. It's it's a very capricious game, and a lot oh, can yeah. go wrong, a lot can go right. And uh, one thing I didn't, it sounds like sour grapes, except the double Jeopardy round of that first game. I got I did not get the boards I liked. Yeah, and I recalled I said nursery rounds. I get that. Can you believe it? And I actually did well in that category. <laughs> we were but actually the, gonna do um, uh, back when we had uh, he's passed away. He just passed away this past year. Tim Fasana. Um, he's been, he'd come on our show a couple mm -hmm. of different times. Uh, he's a Bigfoot researcher down in Florida, but, but entertaining guy, just mm -hmm. an entertaining guy. And, uh, the first time we had him on the show, I had wanted to do Bigfoot Jeopardy with him and Steve, like have like a Jeopardy type thing. But it was too it was too elaborate to try to do that, so we wound it's kind up kind of a narrow topic, right? You know, but there's all kinds of different things you could do in that topic: hoaxes, like you know, uh, sightings, you know, different stuff. That there's different categories that you could have. I would have liked to have done that, but it didn't make sense for what we had at the okay. time, so we wound up just doing a trivia between. Okay, sure. And it was so fun. We did the we did that between him and Steve, my other co-host. Um, we call him the Sweetwater Legend. Supposedly because he's packing in his pants, but we, we don't know for sure. I haven't checked, uh, but yeah. it's just well, like, it's answer, just what we say. <laughs> in answer to Steve, though, you can there are things you can study. One is uh, how to use the buzzer. I read a book on that. Um, and one thing is betting strategies. I always thought it was like common sense, but it's not. There's a lot of. Uh, I, I oh, when at the end or yeah. when you're doing your uh, daily doubles and shit. When you're when you're at Final Jeopardy, you make the wager before. And then uh, I learned a lot about wagering. And mm -hmm. one thing that impressed me about my competitors is that everybody, there are different ways of betting first, second, and third. And all the first class, uh, first place bettors between the four games I was, I was in, I was first place only in my first game. But everybody made a covering bet. Uh, you double the second place's score at a dollar. And Sean Cuevas did that to me. He, he defeated me. Mm -hmm. And he told, I got the answer wrong. He goes, we, 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 we've uh, reached out because in two months, you know, you can't talk to many people. He right. Said, I said, John, he made the max. And we, we bet heavy both of us. And the audience gasped. And he got it right. But he goes, well, you wouldn't have got it anyway because I, I got the answer. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I covered your bet. <laughs> but I thought that was pretty neat. It was it showed a lot of mutual respect. Uh, yeah. And, the, and I mean, it, there is. It, uh, when it comes to that, you know, it is. It's a game. Yeah, it is just a game. But you forget that, too, because I tell you one thing about it that made it hard when uh, I was going. I was telling this, I think, that one of my competitors, either Tracy Mack or Steve Shirelli, uh, while we were waiting to go on it. It's it's a one-shot deal. It's like the Triple Crown, you know, in horse racing. Uh, you get one shot and you're done. Uh, yeah. A few very fortunate people go on for the Tournament of Champions. But that, that made it very pressure-filled. Uh, I felt a little too intense at times. But, right. You know, but. That's how it is. And I suppose if they gave you two chances, you'd put it off till the second time, you know? Yeah. 
I, I, I mean, hey, I think it's great that you got the opportunity. And like I said, when I saw that you were up there, I was like, oh, shit. When I finally realized that I knew you, well, I was like, oh. Well, the hat, you know, I don't have the hat on. Like, right. And that's funny. what I had said to you. Every time I've seen you, yeah. you have that fucking hat on. And that picture that they show you, you have no hat. You're in a and suit. <laughs> I, mean, I know that's the makeover we're talking about with our friend and you know my friend, oh credit that my cousin mike he gave me a makeover and you know my appearance i look a little staid and my friend doc was teasing me he said he goes you got a, you look like a combination between douglas MacArthur, <laughs> dave and Ogder styers from nash so i got that question wrong too by the way uh, uh, uh that, Ray, raymond burr is, and is, the grinch is that David, he was he was Charles Winchester on Nash. So I mean, geez, oh, geez, doc, thanks for the compliments. But you know, I'm a, I'm a like I'm a fun guy. I'm, I'm, I smile a lot in real life. Uh, but in oh, you're all business. No, when I smile, I get jittery. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I and, it's, and it's hard. Like doing anything like that. Uh, like I when I started doing this podcast, I used to, or when I used to go on other people's podcasts. I'd get nervous as hell. My heart would start beating, you know, yeah, yeah. and I'd have to, and then after a while it'd start, you know, it'd slow down. And yeah, well, it's like anything, it. you know, when I, I think the hardest thing you're going on there, the studio, I've been on TV before, nothing major, uh, a little talk show that we did in Biddeford, uh, public access. Yeah. But you're in an alien landscape. You're walking out there and everything's, you're, you're, you're expecting it, but you're really not prepared for it. Yeah. It, and it's, it's not only that, but it's not what, I like I remember when I went to Disney when I was 14. I expected Disneyland to be this amazing elaborate place, magic, wonder, and it was cool. But when I got there it was so mundane. Hmm. It was like a little bit of disappointment. It was like this is like a big fun town. <laughs> that's what I thought because we have that's our amusement park here right, right, in sure. Maine. Sure. It's fun town. And that's all I thought. I'm like it's a big fun town with more bells and whistles. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. I was very, I was just like, oh, like what the fuck? So I, I wondered, like, I wondered if maybe like you got on the set of Jeopardy and you were like, oh yeah, it's kind of wondrous. But yet then you were like, oh yeah, but there's all this other bullshit. Well, it, it's kind of intimidating. I, again, like I said, you're expecting it, but you're not. And uh, it's really difficult to describe. It really is. I think going up against flesh and blood, uh, one thing that's different from doing it at home, when you're playing at home, you're going up against flesh and blood competitors. Mm -hmm. And uh, you don't realize that they, you know, again, you get a one-shot deal, and you don't realize that they have aspirations, too. Oh, yeah. And I think we talked a little bit. I, I wasn't the best winner. I wasn't the best loser. <laughs> and I had forgotten in the two months that I played how good some of these guys were. I went up on the first day. I watched the show again because I was at the viewing party, and everybody was cheering. And my aunt Maureen says, I'm staying home. I want to watch it at home. And I had forgotten what it would be. I went up against two librarians named Veronica and Lindsay. And I had forgotten what a dogfight that was. I mean, mm. I, that was, it, yeah, looking uh, back, it was fun librarians. watching. Librarians. Uh, <laughs> I talked to Jessica Garcet from Maine. She congratulated me. We reached out. Yeah. She's like, uh, we're on the list for Terminator Champions. It's a long shot, but I, hopefully we can go out. I, I was just suggesting we should go out together. Yeah, but no, I, I hope you I hope you get back on again. That'd be great no, for it's, you. It's I mean, a long shot, but hey, you know, it, it, it's a long shot. You should and take. I'm, I'm not I'm not that like I said. I'm like uh, Jason Zafarani won 18 episodes. These guys are elite players, and I can oh, tell yeah. that, that there's the super champions really know they cover all aspects of the game. Uh, accuracy, buzzer speed, wagering, and poise. And what happens is they get locked games. Most of them are just so good 
they got to wait for, for someone to beat them. Like Ken Jennings, episode 74, he did not get a locked game. Yeah. And the, the contestant beat him. Yeah. So a lot, you know, but they're really good at all aspects of the game. Yeah. The, and it, I mean, hey, some of these people, they know their shit, Dennis. They, they yeah, know they, their fucking shit. There's people out there but, who they, they make it their life. We all know those those kids that we went to school with that they could not take their fucking nose out of their books because they had to have good grades. There there are people like that who are driven in all aspects. But here's here's the deal, too. The fellow who defeated me, John Cuevas, we bonded, like I said, over a uh, organ donation. His sister, Serena, and my uh, friend, Roddy Banks, both had uh, kidneys and mm -hmm. doing a lot better now. But John, as far as I know, I, I didn't talk to him about this. I think in his Facebook page, he's just, he, uh, he say just. Uh, I don't mean to uh, disparage it, but he, he has a high school diploma. I don't know if he's been to college. So my advice to anybody, if, if you pay attention in class, if you you do your homework a high school education is really adequate to do well in jeopardy because they lost they ask a lot of sports uh news yeah the, yeah it's I, I don't i don't think it's something that requires a college education when i auditioned there were a lot of lawyers but there were like other people who uh austin rogers bartend although he has a degree but yeah you can get by you don't need an advanced degree to do well on the show in yeah. fact i think in some ways cases it would hurt you <laughs> yeah you and some, you, sometimes you yeah too much of one area Right. Yeah. Uh, my, uh, my, uh, the producer for my show says saying she gets nervous when she gets on there. <laughs> she, uh, she just joined our show. Been there, done that. Uh, just recently. Uh, it was last year. So, uh, the end of last year. Uh, no, April. God, it's been a while now. She's been on the show since April of 2019. God, I thought it was the end of last year. God. Um, but yeah, she, uh, Long story, but long story short, I uh, uh, I had this fan who was a pain in the ass, and he would constantly message me and say, uh, uh, you need a new producer for the show, uh, you need somebody who knows what they're doing, da-da-da-da-da, and I just kept telling the guy to fuck off. I'm like, I don't, I don't need your help, I don't need you to tell me what to do with my show, like, I know what I'm doing, I'm good. It got, it got to the point where finally I blocked the guy. I was like, I told him over and over. I was like, listen, just, dude, I get your fan of the show. Just leave me alone. And, but I eventually, I, I put up a, a contest. But it was a rigged contest because I rigged it so that Katie was going to win and become my producer. So it was <laughs> to become the producer of my show. And, but it was funny to see who would actually send in videos. And there were so few people that did it. Like, I was so surprised. Like, I figured I'd get a few more. Um, but the guy who was bugging the shit out of me, who later on I wound up blocking on Facebook, never sent a video in. Hmm. This asshole who bugged the shit out of me all the time, <laughs> never sent one in. That's, but, that's, that's very intriguing. And, and <laughs> she's, she's, she's a fluke. And uh, actually, I'm so grateful. Mm -hmm. Like she's been such a great addition to the show. Like the she's, uh, out in the end. yeah, she, uh, she's, circle, she's a great, she's a great producer. And even though she gets nervous, she does well. She did fuck up her dog story one night, but the, I will, I will give it a pass. She will get a chance to retell that story at some point in time. But you know, this was a, you know, this was a different type of show for me today, Dennis. Uh, normally, like we talk about the strange stuff like that. This was more like a fucking after school special. Um, <laughs> But well, I like doing Jeopardy's very sedate. Well, no, and I but I like doing these types of shows where I can talk about whatever I want 
I don't have to have my co-hosts on. We're not telling fucking stupid jokes, you know, beating the shit out of each other for two hours, just having a conversation with somebody. I like doing that type of stuff too. And like I said, when I heard you talk about the opiate crisis, I wanted to give you the ability to come on and say mm -hmm. what you know you you wanted to say about it. Yes. But I, I was like, oh, this is something I had no idea. This is this thing about me that maybe that I know he has no idea, you know, and we can sit down and we can talk about it. And that's that's all I fucking do anyway. I mean, the, the, even when I'm joking around with Steve and Matt, I'm still ultimately having honest conversation. No, it's not even though we're going, ah, fuck you, you know, or, you know. Put your sweetwater dick away. Or... Oh, listen, <laughs> conversation. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's but that's what I do at the bar. Yeah, so you know exactly what it is. Of it's, and 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 I think more people are listening to this type of stuff. More people want to sit and listen to someone talk honestly instead of bullshitting or you know trying to make an ass out of themselves. Oh, bullshit too, and I've done that. I mean, <laughs> oh well, we all have. I mean, come on. Uh, but yeah, um, I'm going to wrap this up, Dennis. Thanks for coming. I appreciate you stopping over. Just wanted to add, though, that, uh, you know, it's funny, uh, uh, Chris, real quick, but uh, this brought out something to me. I, I forgot my competitive spirit. And yeah. I, like, I uh, just wanted to say that uh, uh, I had forgotten that. And I think, you know, they say Dennis is just a bartender. And there was a side to me that I didn't really expect. And when I got that final Jeopardy answer wrong. I just stormed off the set. And it, kind of like, and it turns out I was mad at the, I was mad at the bet. I just was saying, I said, they're going to think I'm Cliff Clavin. Now. Remember that famous right. episode, but no one, here's the irony of ironies. No one got on my case. They got on my case of getting the wrong answer. Right. But, but, uh, well, thing, dude, I'm sure, I'm sure they've seen everything. Oh, I'm sure they have. Yeah. I mean, they, they were, I was just kind of stunned though. I was just really embarrassed. But I I, I, uh, I like the fact I had kind of a big head, I got to say, in the show. And I think Alex, we went after he did the interview. I'm very grateful for Alex and the Jeopardy team for letting me bring it up. Mm -hmm. But I remember he said, uh, it's time to step up to the plate and do something aggressive. And I think he was ribbing me a little bit because I missed a clue earlier on Monday's show with Tracy Mack. She stole it from me. Mm -hmm. And she, the correct answer was step up to the bat. And I think... Uh, um, uh, he was saying, I'm going to take you down a notch, young man. You know, this is my show. Remember that. And, uh, but, uh, I'll never forget what he said. He goes, uh, uh, at the end of the clip, he says, let's get back into this. And mm -hmm. I think it was not just the game, but Hey, your interview's over. Right. Let's let's go. Next step. Yeah. How's he looking? He looks, you know, he's a, a one, he's a gentleman. He's very personable, very patient. Yeah. He, on commercial breaks, he answers, you know, different audience. He I couldn't his, believe when he, he answers the same question. I couldn't you know, believe when he like? came out, um, you know, and announced that he had cancer and that he was still going to do the show. He, I don't think he's ever taken a sick day. That guy, I I, and I, you know, God love him. He, you know, he's been a staple. Um, and you know, him, Pat Sajak, Vanna White. I mean, when that when that's gone, Dennis, that's going to be a that's going to be a piece of Americana that is just. I didn't know what to expect with Alex because my I'm working out in Chicago, my friend Charlie worked at the pump room, waited on all the celebrities, mm -hmm. and Charlie didn't. He goes, I didn't like him. He's a wine snob. But Charlie never liked anybody, you know, and he didn't because <laughs> he didn't know anything about wine. And Alex, you know, someone asked him the question. This was cancer related. He's like, what do you like to drink, Alex? And he says, well, I like Chardonnay, but I can't taste it now because of the, the chemo. Yeah. So that kind of hit home, you know. Yeah. And it's it's rough. And and I'm, I'm sure like I, I wish him well. I, I know like his chances aren't exactly great. 
Uh, from what from what he was saying, stage four is not good. That, that's a type of cancer. Yeah, and I, I I watched my grandmother and my uncle die of lung cancer, and they both had stage four. And it's I mean that's a di- uh, he's got something different. Uh, what's he got? Uh, uh, pancreatic. Pancreatic. Cancer, that's, yeah. That's it's that's a low. It's, yeah. It's, it's a, not good. But he's you know like if he's holding his own from what I can say. Yeah. And very and, gracious man. I, I so I mean I wish him well and like I said he's just he's a piece of fucking Americana mm-hmm. he's and he's what Canadian? Yeah. <laughs> we brought that up. I gave him the poppy that, that I saw in a lot of the promos. I'm wearing a poppy because yeah. November I get this. I meant to Tammy thank me. Oh nice for the veterans, you know. Nice, cool, cool. But uh, yeah, thanks for coming on, man. I, I'm I'm Chris glad glad to have really. you over. And uh, and I seriously, I hope you I hope you're able to get back on for the tournament championships. Well, it's a long <laughs> shot, and I don't know. It's kind of I don't know. If I, you know, I'm kind of thinking maybe once was enough. Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe. Uh, to everybody else, uh, this has been the Forty and Slip episode one hundred and twenty-one. Uh, if you like this shit, hit the little thumbs up button. If you don't, hit the little thumbs down button uh you can check out our good friend matt knapp at youtube.com forward slash bigfoot crossroads and cryptid tales uh you can check us out at anchor.fm forward slash the 40 and slip deal still stands people a thousand downloads in one week i will dye this shit blue uh check out our good friend pair breakdown at youtube.com forward slash pair breakdown and Check out, as always, our good friend Dreadfun at dreadfun.com and youtube.com forward slash dreadfun. And excuse me, uh, Fred has been doing some live stuff on Twitch. I recommend checking him out on Twitch. He does some great artwork. Uh, Check him out, as always. And like I was saying to you guys earlier, we will be live tomorrow night. Uh, the show will be live because we will not be live on Sunday because of the Super Bowl. So until then, see ya! <laughs>